0: Greetings everyone. Welcome to the Elm City Lit podcast. The Elm City Lit is a celebration of literary artists and literature of the African diaspora, like all black literature from the beginning of time till now. This evening, I want to I want to welcome you this evening. I'm Ife Michelle, creator of the Lit Fest, and this is Shah my team member. And in the background in on Facebook Live and answering all your questions will be our other team member, Emily Mayo. This evening, we have an exciting show for you. We're going to talk about the importance of book clubs and promoting Black literature. And this evening, we have with us Ms. Marion Huggins from New Haven Free Public Library and Ron Cavanaugh. From the Bronx mosaic literary conference mosaic literary magazine one book from bronx (laughs)
1: everything
0: uh i forgot maria everything just (laughs) everything (laughs) and i'm so we're so glad to have you all here because we're we're we want to like really get the word out about this celebration of our culture and in the, in, in these COVID times and the times of this, um, of 45 and this racism being, um, rampant, you know, it's, it's important for us to know about ourselves and, and it, that comes a lot out through our literature. So I'm going to ask you each one by one to tell a little bit about your, yourself, um, and your, your background. And we'll start with Marion.
2: Oh, of course.
0: Um, Okay. So
2: I'm Marianne. I'm a branch manager at the Mitchell Library of the New Haven Free Public Library. I, up until now, I was at the Cortland Wilson branch and that's where I started the Urban Life Experience book discussion series. Um, When I started it, I didn't know which way it was going to go. This was back in 2015, Um, but we've had a faithful group of people reading a book every six weeks and getting together and talking about it. It's been a great experience. Um, and honestly, I've learned so much from the people. I'm the librarian, but we have some really well-read people in our group and I've gotten some great recommendations and, um, it
0: made some friends. Thank you, Marion and Ron.
1: Uh, sure, I'm Ron Cavanagh of the Literary Freedom Project. Um, it's a nonprofit based in the Bronx. Um, we we present One Book, One Bronx, which is actually a weekly book club. Uh, we meet every week um, to discuss uh, a particular book. Usually, we spend about four to five weeks on that one book, and those books usually reflect the uh, the demographics of the Bronx. So we focus a lot on latin and african-american authors fiction nonfiction, fiction poetry and from time to time although we couldn't do it this year because of the pandemic uh we also host writers throughout the bronx
0: thank you ron mm-hmm. um and and one of the reasons that um i like to say you know i like to say one of the reasons i started the um lit fest um because i've spent huh, I mean, I love reading from from a child, my childhood, wearing Coke bottle glasses, <laughs> one of them wiki kids reading all the time. <laughs> but I want to say I met Ron um, at a, a literary conference in Queens, right, Ron? Right.
3: Right. Um,
0: oh my god, that was like early two thousand, yeah, something like that. And I've at been
1: least ten
0: years. Yes, and um, and then. Um, or on and off. Well, then I moved to New York. I was living here. Then I moved to New York and attended the Mosaic Literary Conference, had the honor to attend that and was really inspired. And so, and also while I lived in New York, I, I did the um, several book clubs, like Mary was mentioning earlier, people doing several book clubs. But moving back to Connecticut and wanting to start something different and new, um, and to have a book celebration and to celebrate in this, this Connecticut because people don't think Black people live in Connecticut. <laughs> to start this book festival just on focus on African-American literature from the African-American diaspora. Because I want to say, we have some great writers from the Caribbean and and South America and, and the continent as well. So like I said, when I was young, um, I was also... I was also inspired by knowing that in New Haven, Lorraine Hansberry, who's one of my favorite writers as I do write some plays, um, Raisin in the Sun was previewed here at the Schubert Theater first, before it went to Broadway. And um, she actually wrote um, a few things in the Schubert, in the um, hotel here, as well as had that at the Schubert. So, And I was fortunate enough to have a family that um, of of educators that um, promoted like what was focused on literature, especially Black literature. So I wanted one of my first questions to ask y'all was: When you were in grade school or high school, do you was there Black literature? Was there a teacher or somebody that introduced Black literature to you, Uh, Marion?
2: I did not discover any black literature in grade school or high school. Um, we did have a school library and I went there all the time and I would just pick out anything that I saw on the shelf. Um, I probably didn't know there was a such thing as black literature. I do remember picking up a biography of Nikki Giovanni like when I was in middle school um, and, and that was awesome. It was like, wow, she was talking about stuff that I knew about because most of the stuff that i read i couldn't even relate to it but i just loved reading um later on i think i read like some biographies that um you know other poets had written but they wrote about like their young years the first serious book i ever read was song of solomon by tony morrison mm-hmm. and i was an adult i was 18 and i read it all night Wow. I would turn off the light to go to bed, and I would say, "Oh my God, what's he gonna do?" And I get back up and I turn the light back on, and I finished at five o'clock in the morning. I've read it like four more times since then. Um, it's my favorite book of all time, and I was 18. The first, the first time I read a novel by a black person.
0: Uh, all right, and how about you, Ron? Like, what's your first earliest memory of black literature being introduced? Um,
1: yeah, I was I would probably say I used to read a lot of sports biographies, you know, as being a young young man or a boy uh, in elementary school, I tended to gravitate towards like these and they come like a little kit or or set of books, uh Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, um Will Chamberlain, you know, I just was constantly reading those kinds of books. The first book that I can kind of clearly remember reading uh, was I Am Third, it's the uh, autobiography of Gail Sayers. Oh, wow. I, think that was, I think that was written in the early 70s, maybe 73, 74, somewhere around there. And that's the first book I can kind of clearly remember um, reading on my own uh, and not not just picking a book off the shelf because it was there but being interested in reading a book. Also the autobiography of Malcolm X was in our house. Mm. and I, Later I read it you know, cover to cover, but early on I used to just like open it up and, and just look through the book, read little passages here and there. I can always remember that book being in our house. Um, as a kid, I used to go to the, um, our local library and every Friday, and just pick out different books to read. But as a young person, I didn't have like a strong interest in reading. My interest was more about reading about the sports figures that I liked and trying to find out more information about them. It wasn't about voraciously reading any book. It was just like trying to learn more about Jim Brown and Walt Frazier Uh, sports idols like that.
3: Ms. Huggins, you said Songs of Solomon by Toni Morrison impacted you and stuck with you. And Mr. Ron, you said that in your house, there was always the the autobiography of Malcolm X. How did these books impact you? How did black literature impact you when you found it wherever, at which point in your life, knowing that these are books that relate to you and written by folks that look like you, how did that impact you? I think it like opened up a world. I, I think that, you know, when
2: you read about Milkman and his Aunt Pilot, um, his interactions with his cousins, um, the interaction with his friend who had joined some really radical group um, that was into murder, like payback murder. Um, and then him having the choice at the end, whether he wanted to be in that group or whether he wanted to embrace something else. I think that that's a question that we all have inside. It's like, how radical is our response to injustice? But see, back then I couldn't say words like that, but it just, it resonates
1: inside of you. Uh, Early on, I did not gravitate to what I would call like any kind of political Theme books or books that really reflected Black culture um, in a purposeful way. It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I started reading books like James Baldwin and Toni Morrison, uh, books like that. The book that kind of set me on my path uh, as far as starting a nonprofit and um, doing literary programs throughout the Bronx, was a, uh, it's not a really well-known book, it's called Billy by Albert French. Um, And it's the the story of a 10 year old boy, black boy who kills a white girl and is sentenced to the electric chair. And it was so good that I wanted other people to sort of know about that book. Uh, And that set me down a path of uh, starting a magazine and a website, and literary programs, so on and so forth. But that was like, the, there were many books before that that I had read, but that book was the book that really kind of connected me to a purpose, a literary arts purpose in trying to influence and connect with my, my greater community.
3: Why do you think that specific book sent you on your path, was it the story of Billy? It, it, it was all of the above. It was the, sto- it was the
1: injustice of the story, but it was also the injustice of marketing and publishing and how some books come out and they just go straight to the shelf and they don't get any marketing behind it and no one will read that book. Uh, and I just felt other people should read this and it's a short book, it's less than 200 pages, maybe 200 pages. Um, but that that story itself, of the treatment of black people in this country, in America, really resonated with me. And I wanted other people to read uh, that book.
0: I know for myself, um, just to jump in, their eyes are watching God. I- like oh man i read that i forgot i don't even remember how old i was when i read that but janie and their eyes are watching god is such a powerful character for me she like was such a strong woman and from there um i just absorbed zora neale hurston and the and langston hughes and the rest of the renaissance writers that was a time I felt I could relate to and and all then from that point on, all I wanted, I wanted to absorb as much black culture as I could. In addition to, like I was um in a I was fortunate enough to be in a dance school. Um, and our teacher, Angela Bowen Peters, um not just didn't just teach us about the didn't teach us the dances, talks about the history of the dances and the techniques of the different places in Africa and the Caribbean and the Catherine Dunham and all that. And so it fed me. Um, so um, I want to ask who is your favorite? Do you have a favorite book or writer at this time? Because <laughs> it's hard for, for myself now, it's hard.
1: Yeah. I I don't. Uh, Again, Billy, I've read it a couple times uh, since my first reading. That book always has stuck with me. Uh, But I don't have a favorite. I mean, it's easy to say Baldwin. Uh, Mm -hmm. He, he, particularly now, uh, Mm -hmm. in the wake of the killing of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. his words and writings are just so resonant right now. You know, it's in, Part of everyone's uh, vocabulary and everyone's language, like the things that he was talking about back in the 50s and 60s are still happening now. And the way he articulated uh, the treatment of black people and this uh, two-tiered system of injustice that we have here in America. So it's easy to say that James Baldwin, uh, of course, but um, yeah, there are they many books that I read that are my favorites. So I, I, just I can't pick one. <laughs> How about you,
2: Marion? Well, of course, I already told you my absolute favorite is Song of Solomon. But there's some, there's some more modern writers now, like um, Tayari Jones, and American Marriage. That was great. That was um, book. Jessamyn Ward's book, Sing Unburied Sing, that was that was out of this world. It was amazing. Um, So, you know, there are people writing right now. I just read a book by a Nigerian woman. Her last name is Abraham, and the name of the book is Black Sunday. It was amazing. I mean, there are some amazing writers out right now that are just as rich. Um, And, you know, what's funny is a lot of times I would pick a book for the book club, and I wouldn't really be that excited about the book, but it wasn't until we got in the discussion that people would bring out things that I didn't even see. And I'd go, wow, like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that. Like, the, um, Ernest Gaines book. Um, oh, please help me, my memory is gone. Ernest Gaines book, A Lesson Before Dying. A Lesson
1: Before Dying.
2: Right, that book was out of this world. And I mean, and it was written in the eighties. It was out of this world. Octavia Butler's book, uh, Parable of the Sower. She wrote it in like 1993. It could have came out last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the corruption, the the pollution, the environment being destroyed, um, the plantation capitalism. It could have came out in 2020. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't even know about stuff like that back then, at least I didn't. the funny thing about life is that if your life is is kind of circumspect, like if you live in a certain box, you go to work and you come home, there's things you just don't even know about. And especially before social media, like a lot of the writers, even a lot of the issues, even I didn't know about before. I thought everything was fine. You know, <laughs> and I know that's a real naive thing to say, but it's true. You know,
1: you're in your family, you're going to work, you're paying your bills, you're just not paying attention. That's me. Go ahead, Ron. The the thing about that group dynamic of a book club is everyone is bringing their own intelligences. That's the Mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when we read um, All About Love by Bell Hooks and we had 80 people show up, Mm. you're gonna gonna get, or, or at least come into the Zoom chat you're going to get 80 different, or at least 40 different, because everyone doesn't speak up. Um, 40 different inputs into what that book is about. You know, so there are things in that book that I read one way, that people saw differently, and that's the beauty of the book club. You know, that 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 community that sort of builds on each other. It's not just about your singular perspective anymore. It's about what the group is thinking and how that group influences how you think or, you know, or how you read about, you know, read a book. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you all think that a good book club needs? You spoke about good group dynamic and several people are of course gonna bring their different viewpoints, but what do you feel like a good book club needs? You know, one
1: of the things that we do in our book club Because we meet weekly, um, it's important that we try to get a consistent turnout, but we also try to encourage people to lead the conversation. So we do have a facilitator, um, and our facilitators are different, uh, each one, how they facilitate the book club. But one of the things we try to do, uh, at least when we're facilitating, is lay back. And let the people in the book club lead the conversation. More than anything, I want people to have a sense of ownership about our book club that they're not there to be facilitated. They're not there to be guided. So if they come into the, into the book club and they want to lead that conversation or they want to refer back to points that were made last week or if they read ahead in the book, or if they wanna bring in personal aspects um, that connect to the book, we, we encourage that. We just inc- we encourage people to speak up, to lead the conversation. Now, even though we have people, facilitators who will gladly lead the conversation, it can't be about the facilitator if it's going to be a good, healthy, uh, and diverse conversation
3: with it being on zoom now before from switching from in-person to zoom has that taken away or maybe added more to the, your book club experience now that people have more time to really sit and reflect and now meeting in a book club might be more of like going out now I like okay i finally get to see other people and talk and converse how has that been since the pandemic began
2: at first i resisted it Um, I have to say that I actually let a book club time go by, um, and it's unfortunate because we were reading the Lucille Clifton book, the poetry book. Um, But I I just wasn't sure that that I was comfortable with the technology or that the members would be comfortable. Well, since then, we, we regrouped and we read a book called Citizen Outlaw, how one man went from gang leader to peacekeeper. And the book is about William, outlaw the third. Um, some of you might know him or know of him. And he actually came on the Zoom call, and that's something that wouldn't have happened probably if we were meeting in person. So, and we stayed on a really good long time, like two hours. I was, co- I was, wanted to ask Ron how, when you were meeting in person, how could you accommodate eighty people, or was it not that
1: many people? It, w- it wasn't that many people. So, um, mm-hmm. how our book club in person is usually set up is, um, we invite people to come every week. And the mm-hmm. first, the first week we give everybody books. So we purchase books, um, at least 25 books mm-hmm. and we give them to all the participants. Uh, meeting in person, we've had as many as 45 people and, and that was, a little too too many people to be honest, mm-hmm. but we're not gonna turn anybody away.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. But on Zoom, because anybody can come in in mm-hmm. Zoom, uh, like you, when, this, when the quarantine first started, I was actually gonna use it as a time to sort of take some time off and regroup because doing a weekly book club is, it's almost like doing a full-time job. There's a lot of prep involved, uh, we buy refreshments for everyone. We buy books for, we try to buy books for everyone. Uh, so there's a, it's a lot of time and energy that goes into it. And I just wanted to take some time off. Uh, but book club members were like, no, we got to meet. Cause we were in the middle of a book. We were in the middle of um, a lucky man by mm-hmm. Jamel Brinkley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we had one more book, cl- book uh, meeting to go and people wanted to do it. Uh so I I'm I'm all into technology so setting it up was cool uh and then after that uh, we are contracted by another location to do their book club uh so and they wanted to continue also so now we had to continue with them uh so once once that happened I knew we had to continue as a weekly book club uh but now being on Zoom uh People from California come, Ohio, the Carolinas, Florida, mm. uh, Connecticut, they, they're coming from all over the country into the Zoom chat. So that's why the first week we read um, all about, or discussed all about Love by Bell Hooks, 80 people came. Mm-hmm.
2: They,
1: all, they all don't talk, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe 20, 30 people might talk, but uh, it's, it's just cool. For them to be in the book club. Uh, one of the things we always stress is you know, even in person, you can just come and hang out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no pressure mm-hmm. for you to participate in the book club actively. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just want to be in the room listening to conversation about a book, that's cool also. But if you want to come and you lead, want to lead the conversation, by all means, we encourage, we encourage that also.
2: You ever have anybody who just really, um, I, I do go around the table. I've never had more than like 20 people. Um, and I do go around the table. I take tables and put them together so that we're all sitting in a square. And I do go around the table and ask each person you know, okay, so-and-so, you know, what do you think? And, and sometimes they say, I didn't get a chance to read it. Or, yeah. you know, or sometimes they say, well, I'm I'm only halfway, but, but I do think this. You know, everybody doesn't talk the same.
1: Yeah.
2: But we, then you have some people who really, really want to express themselves. Yeah. And sometimes they go off in a direction and you have to rein it back.
1: But we, you're not. We, we don't. We don't. We don't try to rein conversations back, nor do we call on anyone. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. I always say, like, the book we're reading is really about your life. So Mm -hmm. if you want to bring your life into the conversation, Mm -hmm. by all means, if Mm -hmm. you want to read one sentence, then talk for 15 minutes about that sentence and how it connects to your family, and you just want to talk specifically Mm -hmm. about your family dynamics, we encourage that. Mm. Sooner or later, it's just, it seems like the dynamics of the book club is to let it go free and the conversation will, will come back to the book. It always comes back to the book. <laughs> okay. But we really want to use the book as a way to kind of stimulate conversation. Oh, like a jumping off point, right? What? What's that? Like a jumping off
2: point? Like yeah, a exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. exactly. And, and that was in person. And it's also on Zoom. We're we're not so strict about the only rule that I tell the facilitators uh, is we do not call on people. We let people speak mm-hmm. if they want. If they you know if they want to speak up, they will. If they don't, I always joke. You know you can just come, sit down, smoke a cigarette, whatever you want to do. If you do not want to participate, but if you do want to participate, we have space for that also.
3: It seems like you both have two different styles of book clubs. Mr. Ron, it seems like yours is more ownership based, which is kind of rolled, had a domino effect past COVID that folks in your book club kind of had to kind of tell you like, no, we want to do this. Like pandemic, you know, we, we grew, we wanted to rest, but i see in a lot of different aspects. This is now more than ever where. Things like book clubs or meetings or different things like that are needed and folks are craving for they want that outlet, that safe space. Mm-hmm. But Ms. Huggins, I think it's also important and cool how you make people speak sometime where it's like, okay, come on, we're here, open up. Because sometimes if you don't have that, if that ownership isn't there, folks haven't fully adapted to the the vulnerability of the space, it's kind of like, okay, no, it's cool. Tell me, tell me what you thought. Even if you didn't finish it, this isn't school. No one's going to write. Right.
1: right,
2: right. It's not going to be an exam. Um, You know, it's funny. Some people are true introverts in that they don't want you to call on them, but some people are fake introverts. (laughs) (laughs) Sharon, what did you think? Or, or. Martha, what did you think? They actually feel left out. Yeah. And and I ask, and then I give them the chance to say, you know, well, I didn't finish or, or I'm not sure or whatever. Um, it's been working. I think our numbers are a lot smaller than yours, Ron. And also, when we were meeting in person, we were meeting inside the library. And we... You know, there's freedom, but there's freedom within a structure. Yeah. There's a time structure. I have to go back upstairs and be on desk after an hour and a half. Um, and the building itself, there's rules. <laughs> like, I couldn't right. say, hey, smoke your cigarette because right. you can't smoke your cigarette at the library. Right. So we don't we don't have as much freedom.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I yeah. kind of think that maybe you could go longer. How long do you normally go?
1: Uh, an hour and a half. Okay. Uh, usually. Mm-hmm. It's from every Wednesday, from mm-hmm. seven to eight thirty. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I also want to be clear that when we meet in pers in person, you cannot smoke cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> because uh, we meet in a gallery uh, in both locations. So we're in two locations, um, and we, they're both galleries. So you mm. have to respect the art around you. In most places, you can't smoke inside. Oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of referring to when people are at home. Okay. But, Okay. Mm -hmm. One of the the important dynamics that we have that most book clubs don't is we meet weekly. So we don't don't expect people to read an entire book. How it works is we divide the book up into quarters. um, And then we discuss a quarter every time we meet. And we usually meet four times, four to five times to discuss a book. So that dynamic I think Builds a community, um, you know. Like Sha was saying earlier, we're really, I'm, I'm really like all the programs that we do with the Literary Freedom Project
3: yeah, like
1: are are around building community. I mean, books are wonderful and great, but we're really interested in building this community of readers and having this community of readers. Go back into their kind of respective familial communities, work communities, um, education communities, and almost be amb- ambassadors uh, for reading, um, and and just try to convince people. You know, if they want to join our book club, that's great. But if they want to start a book club on their own, mm-hmm. that, that's even better. You know, mm-hmm. that that's how we really grow. Uh, not so much everybody joining us, but different people just go back in their communities and form book clubs.
3: I read that on your website, Mr. Ron, on the literary, on the literary project, um, that you want to rebuild these bridges. And is it based the books that you have, do you see more engagement that you, i read that you having books around gentrification yeah. racial injustice, equity, women's rights. Now, when you get into these types of subjects, how how do you see folks in the group respond?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> when we started a couple of years ago, we read a book, and we're actually reading this book again starting in September, but um, we read a book called Bodega Dreams. Oh. And we, we didn't have a good turnout we were literally like having two people, three people coming. And I was like, this doesn't look so hot. I don't know what's gonna, you know, what's the dynamic going forward. The next book we read was Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde. Mm-hmm. And it was, it just blew through the roof. That was, that was the first book we had. After having two or three people, we were now having 20, 25 people. Uh, coming, And since that time, since that book, it's been consistently that way, no matter what book we read and we mix it up, um, fiction, non-fiction, science fiction, poetry, we've all, at, at the minimum, we have 20 people. Uh, and like I said, for um, All About Love, we had about 80 people come. So wow. they've always been like good turnout. Mm
2: -hmm. And how long have you been doing this?
1: Um, Two years. We started literally September of 2018, Mm -hmm. as one book, one Bronx. Mm -hmm. I I, I made a couple of starts stops in 2014, then again in 2015, I just wasn't... One of the the things about my book club is I have to raise money. so we pay our facilitators. Um, we also buy books for everyone. So it's you know it's a financial endeavor. It's not just inviting people to come together. Even using Zoom, you know, Zoom costs money. So uh, one of my responsibilities is just you know fundraising uh, and writing grants and things like that. So. It's more than just um, a book club. This is like really a public program that I'm trying to recruit people to participate in and then go back into their communities and replicate.
3: And you both have your own um, book club that you currently are working on, but not, uh, not maybe, Maybe the one you have going on, but throughout book clubs that you've been through throughout your life, what bonds and memories have stuck out with you? Have you made long lasting friendships? Do you remember a time in a book club where you just like something that profound was said and always has stuck with you? Have you had any of those experiences? I've actually never been in a book club before. But I'll tell
2: you a funny story. My best, one of my best friends, is in a book club, and and one of their very first events was to host the dance, <laughs> and and it was a huge success. And they hosted the dance, and the monies kind of financed their book club from then on. So you know, I was always like on the outskirts of that book club, but I never literally joined it. Although
1: I had great friends in it. Yeah, I also never belonged to a book club before I started one. Um, But I've really made some really strong uh, friendships. Uh, Again, we're trying to build a community. Uh, Just recently, one of our members uh, had a baby. Okay, what? Is this me? So it is like so much love around the fact that, you know, this baby was born during our book club. Jessica, she joined the book club a a couple years ago and then she brought her partner into the book club and now they have a baby and the baby, when we're on Zoom, uh, Jessica holds the baby up like the baby's participating in the book club. So, you know, it's things like that, that we really try to, I mean, we can't encourage everybody to go and have a baby so they can (laughs) be part of the book club, Mm -hmm. but we are trying to encourage these sort of close familial dynamics um, that happens when you when when you when you meet weekly. You know, it is more likely that um, that rhythm sort of builds in uh, camaraderie.
3: There's a sense of normalcy. It's kind of like office dynamic, too. You spend, we used to spend so much time at work where our work family is like, we see them more in our real family. So right. things become natural. And I think Zoom has allowed, we're in every, everybody's in everyone's house right now. So if you have your baby, you really, you can't really hide it anymore. That no. folks have to acknowledge that human aspect, that there's children, that yeah. dinner has to be made, that you folks have to eat.
1: And we <laughs> encourage that, you know. So even when we were meeting in person, uh, some of our members had like childcare issues where they had to go pick up their son or daughter. And I, I tell them, you can bring your son or daughter to the book club usually they just sit quiet and you know do PlayStation. And it's the same thing, now that we're on Zoom, you see the kids in the background running around or whatever. And so we encourage this idea of the importance of reading. You know, that you're, that, that parent or that adult caregiver is making time in their life for this, mm-hmm. for this, mm-hmm. this aspect of their life, this activity of reading a book. It is really important to like, you know, make that real for young people and and kids.
3: Representation matters. And I think these kids will remember being there and sitting there like, oh, they'll tell stories. And they go, I remember going with my mom to her weekly book club. And when they get into college and they hear about book clubs, like, okay, there's that, that link is there. That community community is there. I remember my grandmother dated and she wasn't reading, but she'd have folks come over and they play cards. And as I got into college and folks were playing cards that it, it, it all connected, it was familiar. And I think I, we're an intergenerational show here. And I think those those bonds is what you remember and it carries through your lifetime and sticks with you. Now you both have been more facilitators than in book clubs. As a facilitator, you have that responsibility and you kind of see looking out how, when you see folks get engaged in a book and Ms. Huggins, you spoke about being up all night. I remember some books will keep you up all night. I have been up all night reading books as well. Asada Shakur autobiography, I had to read it, finish it Yeah, okay, I got it. And uh, I wish I would have spoke earlier to talk about books that impacted us. That book I think about every day to see and read about this woman fighting for her life Fighting for her freedom in a system where you're fighting for the rights of your people, but you're being punished for speaking out and going through her whole case and having to escape. And no one knows how she did that, but just to know that that has happened. Mm-hmm. I, when you spoke about Billy, it made me think about her because mm-hmm. she's still alive. And it's like, how do you you can't forget that once you know that these things have happened, once a book has opened up your eyes, it's you can't act like you haven't read it. Once you've woken Uh up, you can't go Uh back to sleep. And Uh I think books give you that where you have to create the imag, you have to create the picture for you. A book, Uh you can be I was in Nork, but reading that book, I was with her on the turnpike. Some fantasy books, they put you in these sci-fi words, you feel like you're there, but Uh then books you're reading and you're so excited and people around you looking like, are you okay? And it's like, I am on a journey right now. I'm on a journey. It's like, you could finish it tomorrow. No, I cannot finish it tomorrow. (laughs) I need to know what Mm happens now. Mm -hmm. I remember in college, I wouldn't start some books because I knew that it was going to take over no matter what the homework was. Philosophy could have been great that day, but I needed to know what's going on here. And then we can get to that later on.
1: And that's the beauty of books, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That kind of transporting you from one space to another space that is completely disconnected from your reality, mm-hmm. but it's building who you are, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: It bridges that gap. Now, I'm talking about before you became a librarian in the New Haven Free Public Library System, you worked at the post office, but you have a really unique story the day oh. you had- <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit of that story?
2: I was a clerk, um, people who know the town. I was a clerk in the Hamden called the Whitneyville branch. Um, I worked there for, I worked at that spot for about 19 years. So, you know, I saw people have a baby and I saw them bring their baby to the post office in the stroller. Then I saw those babies grow up and go to college and come home for summer break. And I'd be like, oh my God, I remember when you were in the stroller. So I stood in the same spot for years and years. Um, and, you know, as far as customer service, I loved my job, but I always wanted a job that had to do with literature. Um, you know, again, that that's why I pursued librarianship. But um In librarianship, there's customer service, but there's book work as well. There's ordering, there's weeding, there's shelving, um, there's emptying the drop box. There's a lot of um, unglamorous parts to to working with books. So in my, I kind of feel like having the book club was the bright spot in my career. It was, okay, I would go and buy the Nutri-Grain bars and the little oranges and the waters, and get my table set up with a tablecloth and the people would come and they really appreciated it. Um, In addition to the people who came and um, Ron probably knows about this as well, there's a whole army of people who are just reading the book but they don't necessarily wanna come to a meeting um, I don't know if, if, if that's the case, Mr. No, definitely,
1: that Definitely. Yeah. We have that mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. People, mm-hmm. people will that's, tell me that they're right. reading along
2: right. with right.
1: us, but mm-hmm. they're not in the book club. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. they're, right.
2: reading, so, they're
1: reading. You know, that, they're reading. They're reading. And they will not
2: read those particular books. Right. Um, I like the fact that. Like I said, I do take a lot of recommendations. I've been writing down books that you've been talking about. Um, But I like to be able to lead people in their reading because when I was a person who just went to the library and picked out everything, because I didn't know up from down, um, I read a lot. But I I like the fact that I could curate a list for the year. And, and those are the books we're reading for that year. And the people appreciate it as well, because they tell me, I wouldn't have known what to read. Yeah. You know, I yeah. read the back of the cereal box. While I'm
1: oh.
2: <laughs> That's how desperate I am to read some words. So it's it's nice to be able to curate a list. You know, it takes research, it takes time, yeah. um, but the people appreciate it, you know, and they express the appreciation as well. Yeah.
3: And a lot of folks right now are looking for book lists and different books yeah. too. So I feel like social media has sparked a lot of folks want to read more about racial injustice, women's rights, economic injustice, and new writers that you spoke about. What are some new writers that you, you guys would like to put on? I'm I'm having, I have on the black girls, the sunshine t-shirt. Our new Haven's very own Sun Queen. sheet is a writer. Um, we we had her on our show. We spoke about her book, but who are some, New writers that you feel like should be getting some shine that don't aren't really spoken about in circles.
2: I again I I think that Lucille Clifton that you guys should go back and and, and look at her poetry. And you know what's so funny is that I've been through years and years and years of school, never heard of Lucille Clifton before. I bought the book um, and you might know her, Ron, um, that Glory Edom put together. Yeah, yeah an anthology of all different kinds of writing. Mm -hmm. Well, I discovered Lucille Clifton's poem, Homage Mm. to My Hips. And and I thought, oh my God, Homage to My Hips. So I had to go and get her book and read the rest of her poetry. It was awesome. I mean, I was just like, wow, how did I never hear of her before? Mm -hmm. Um, Like you again, we read some Latinx writers, we read poetry, we read short story collections, short story anthologies, and we also read some YA. So I've gotten to read um, Long Way Down mm-hmm. and um, Acevedo, you know, so it's it's been great, it's been great. Just trying to mix it up, you know, have some yeah. YA authors as well as some adults. Have We read Claudia Rankin's book, Citizen, and Most people that. didn't yeah. understand it, but we read it, we discussed it. Um, she has an art exhibit online. You guys should take a look at it. She and her okay. husband. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And she's coming out with a new book. I can't remember the title of it. I think it's clear. I want to say Just Us. Does that sound right? It Just could us. be. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. remember.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. coming out
2: yeah. in September. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. We just, we just finished reading a, um, a collection of short stories by a uh, uh, Nigerian American writer, Kem Joy Ukwo. Um, the book is called Lot Gray, Link Blue. Um, mm. It was an excellent book. Um, <laughs> we also um, read some short stories last year by Camille Acker. Um, again, this is her first, they're both first time authors. Uh, Camille's book is called uh, Training School for Negro Girls. Mm. Um, I, I thought that was an excellent book. Uh, Freshwater by Akweke Amizi. Um, mm-hmm. and she just came out with her second book. And I think she also put out a YA book called Pet. Uh, so those mm-hmm. are excellent books. Mm-hmm. And we, but we also, you know, go back. We, uh, we read Sula, um, mm-hmm. in October. We mm-hmm. just read um, Corrigadora by Gail Jones. Oh which, my goodness. Uh, which was a wonderful book. So we kind mm-hmm. of go back and forth. Next month we're reading um, the new Jim Crow, uh, mm-hmm. Michelle Alexander. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You know, Gail Jones has a new book coming out too. And I think I she heard. has for 12 years. So, so we've been waiting yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. Hey, you're smiling.
0: I want to know, know the reason for the smiling this Listen, I'm listening to this book talk, and I'm excited um I'm a little embarrassed because um like ever since the storm two weeks ago my lap my uh, desktop has been acting up, so I had to switch devices <laughs> <laughs> technical oh. difficulties, <laughs> yeah, but not in the middle of the thing, you know. And, <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. But I I'm just I'm excited about this book talk. I'm listening to y'all talk. Yeah. Um did she ask you all about how you choose how you come to select the books for each month?
2: I select a year in advance. So actually I've already started next year's list. And even though I'm not at the Wilson branch no more, somebody else is actually going to do it, but I have this funny feeling that I'm going to host it. So I decided I'd start curating to help him out, and um, so I've already started looking at titles because I try to go back and get something from the past, what we call classics. I try to get a poetry book, a short story book, um, so that it is mixed up. I want to end up with eight or ten titles because we meet every six weeks, unlike Ron's group who talk about the same book for you know pretty much during a four week span, we read the book over five weeks and then we discuss it. So it's a
1: little different.
0: How about you Rhyme? How was your process for book selection?
1: So this year was the first year we actually opened it up to voting. Um, Mm. So throughout the year, I'm tracking books and I'm making notes Uh, and a couple of months ago, uh, sent out an email to everyone on our email list, everyone who's participated in the book club uh, for them to vote. Um, and then we would consider those books as part of uh, the books that we choose throughout the year. And we actually have chosen all the books for the year already. Mm. Uh, I, I think maybe about four of the books made the list. Four of the books that were voted on uh, made the list. Because because we're trying to mix it up, we just couldn't take all the most popular books and say we're gonna read this.
2: Right. right.
1: We're trying to read first time authors, well known authors, fiction, non fiction, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So that's why.
3: Mm-hmm. Mr. Ron, can you tell us about um, the Mosaic Literary Conference?
1: Sure. Um, so, to kind of take a step back, Um, everything that we do in our programming is about community. We're trying to use literature to better connect our community. Um, So the Mosaic Literary Conference um, is an annual conference that we started in, I think 2003 now, I can't (laughs) even remember. 2003, as a way to expose our community to books, but also connect them to issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So last year we focused on environmental justice. Before that, it was the Me Too movement, um, Black identity. We focused on Malcolm X and James Baldwin. Um, And it's usually a day of panels um, and workshops. Uh, We show a film. Uh, Again, just to invite the community in and have them better connect not just to books and writers, because oftentimes we try to put writers on the panels, um, but also the issues that are aff- affecting their lives and their families, you know, and the community. So, uh, yeah, so that's what the conference is primarily about. The conference, the name Mosaic Literary Conference came out of a magazine that we used to publish, uh, the Mosaic Literary Magazine, which focused on um, Writers of the African Diaspora, that started way back in
0: 1998. Wow. And Lillian, how did you come up with the name The Urban uh, Book Club?
1: So my book club, my book club is called One Book, One Bronx. Um, and we were trying to find, before it was One Book, One Bronx, it was, um, it was the We Are Family Book Club. I was trying to play on the Sister Sledge song, We Are Family, but it didn't really catch on. So uh, I just changed it to One Book, One Bronx. And since, since I made a change, it's been going pretty well. And the book club is just another device I'm using um, to bring the community together. That's why it had to be weekly. Um, and I had to give free books, and I have to have refreshments. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has to be a, a low entry point. I'm trying to really attract people back to reading. I mean, there are always people who read. They don't care where they're at. They're going to read a book. I'm trying to reach those sort of borderline people who might want to read a book, might not, they don't know what to read next. They like the idea of a support system. They like the idea of reading weekly. Uh, weekly is almost I, I, I call it a church for a lot of people, in the same way that you go to church and you devote that segment of time, uh, segment of your Sunday to um uh you know worshiping God. Uh you can devote a segment of the rest of the week to reading books and coming together and discussing books.
0: And Marianne, how did you come to, uh, from, uh, to get the name of your book club, the Urban Book Club?
2: Oh, gosh. It's the longest name in history. <laughs> the Urban Life Experience Book Discussion Series, okay? <laughs> okay. If or if I write it, I think, what can I take out? But then I read it over and over and I'm like, well, wait, If I take a word out, it doesn't fit, so so I'm stuck with it. Um, When I first started the book club back in 2015, it was going to be called The Man Up Book Club. And Mm -hmm. it was supposed to be for men. And we actually read with a book called Man Up by Carlos Mm -hmm. Robinson. Obviously, the All Men Book Club didn't really work out that great, because men like to read, but they don't necessarily like to sit at a table with other people and eat some oranges and some Nutri-Grain bars and talk about it. Um, So I do have male readers who who take out the book, because, of course, we're at the library, so we buy the copies. Um, We've had experiences where I've had Yale Humanities donate the copies. You know, I just send them, this is what we're going to read, and they send out the books. Um, I do have male readers, but they're not, I do have one male who comes all the time. He's really consistent, but for the most part, the males kind of read on their own, and you know, they'll wander into the library, and they'll say, oh yeah, I finished the book, or you know, I saw what you wrote about the discussion, it seemed like it was good, but they never want to commit themselves to just sit Mm -hmm. down in the us. But it's okay. It's all right. Because they're reading. They're reading and they're getting it. And I know that they're they're reading because they're emailing me with book requests. So they're interested. You know? The funny thing about being an avid reader is that when you're very young, you might be the only person you know who reads. I remember taking books out the library and people going, oh my God. Like, where are you going with all those books? (laughs) Like, are you going to a bonfire? Like, what what is that about? Um, so the book club gives people who like to read a chance to be together and talk about it. Yeah.
3: Do you feel like book clubs are I'm sorry, Missy Faye?
0: No, go ahead. That's the same thing. Go ahead.
3: Do you feel like book clubs are seen as feminine and and not or and it kind of deter men because they don't see it as masculine that they're that they're emailing you in secret about these books? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they don't see it as masculine or if they're if
2: they're just, you know, you have to choose what you want to do with your time. So I don't, you know, I don't really have any judgment about it. That's
1: yeah, but we also have, we're also challenged to get more men participating in our book club. Um, there are times when we've had 30, 40 people and I'm the only man in the room.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, for a while, we did have one other person coming regularly, mm-hmm. uh, but he is, he's since stopped coming. Uh, and even in Zoom, uh, when we've had these really big turnouts, there's usually maybe two or three people. Two, excuse me, two or three men. Mm-hmm. Um, not, mm-hmm. not, not much more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, Which so I would, I would like to change it, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got to figure out a way to recruit men because when I yeah. started the Lit Fest um, Book Club last summer, as well um, in a book space that, uh, well, initially it was at our my uh, neighborhood management team, and uh, we we never it, like not many men. I don't think any men came at all. And then we had one man join us uh, when we started meeting in a bookstore. Um, but we're winding down with our time. And I just want to ask um, Marion, when is the next date for your book club? September 12th.
2: And the name of the book is Brother. It's a beautiful book. The author is David Chariandi. He is a winner of the Wyndham Campbell Prize. A real prestigious prize. The book is beautiful. It's so lyrical. Um, you know, people say it's a sad story, but it's life. Um, the setting is in Canada. I want to say Toronto. The people are of West Indian heritage, um, and it's their inner city struggle even in Canada. You know, it's a great example of our same life is being lived other places. Um, so if everybody wants to read it, I'll email you guys all the info, and and maybe you can join us September twelfth. It's a Saturday at twelve noon.
0: And we um, also it can be found on New Haven Free Public Library website as well. Correct.
2: And we have physical copies of the book as well at the Wilson Branch. Uh mm-hmm. huh.
0: And the is the library still on? Um, like you get the you order you when you um your book you have to show up and somebody hands you the book or are the libraries open right now?
2: Curbside pickup.
0: Curbside pickup. That's it. Okay.
2: You can call. You can do it online. Whatever's convenient for you. We'll meet you right at the door.
0: All right. And Ron, you got the Mosaic Literary Conference coming up and what else? Let's Tell us about what you have coming up and your website, please. Yeah, yeah. So the conference is coming up. That's uh, November 21st.
1: We're looking at Black Futures this year, Uh, It'll be a. We're not exactly sure because it'll be all on Zoom now, so we're still trying to navigate how a conference, mm-hmm. um, you know, will manifest on Zoom. Uh, so we're still trying to figure that out. But uh, next month, uh, September 16th, I believe, uh, we start reading Odega Dreams by Ernesto Pinores, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll be reading that for four weeks, every every Wednesday, seven to eight thirty. And then after that, we start the new Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander.
0: And I want to say the Elm City Lit Fest is next month as well. It is September 26th and 27th, virtually from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. We are pulling it together. (laughs) We still are looking for it it together. Um, That's all you can do. -hmm. That's it. Child, what were you gonna say, babe? Thank you. We still have our call for workout
3: like New Haven. Where are you? We have we're we're looking for the work and the talent. We literally have a space for everybody. Writers, playwrights, musicians, visual artists. We want to put you in this con in this festival. Please fill, fill out the Google form, submit your work to us. We want, we want our own folks. We want we want CT represented. Show up for us, we're, we're out here.
0: So far, we do have some uh, commitment from a, a cup we have commitments from uh, two children's literate, literature, two, two children lit book writers, and we're going to have um, a black comic book and uh, panel discussion led by Dr. Bill Foster. Um, and we're going to be talking about like blacks and comics and there's a lot, there's a whole, um, audience for that. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, a lot of black people now making comics and uh, you know, on the, on the heels of, uh, what is that movie? Wakanda. (laughs) Black Panther. Black Panther. Mm -hmm. Panther. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. um, and we're also, um, speaking with another organization out of um, New London, Connecticut about um, uh, anime and cos- cos- cosplay. And mm-hmm. um, we'll be having um, some pan- rich panel discussions. We're gonna have another discussion on the importance of um, promoting black literature and black book clubs. Because one of the things I do um, know for both of you, I'm sure you've had um, some authors that were um I was I was honored to be on the um on the uh Casa, Casa Maria Book Club with mm-hmm. um Oku what's her name Oku yeah, uh Kem Joy Okwo Kem Joy yeah. was on and talking about her book which was the those short stories oh my god
1: yeah no it's serious. very
0: discussion and the authors are very very appreciative yeah. of the book clubs and promoting black literature is so important because everybody in in my feeling is it's it's important for us to know about our literature and our our authors and promote that but it's also important for other people to know that we hear mm-hmm. there are black voices mm-hmm. um, And Marion, like you said, you've had you've had a couple of authors, haven't you, Marion?
2: I've had. Yeah, I had um, I had a couple of authors. They
0: one was over Zoom, like
2: I said, but I had a couple in person as well. um, When we partnered with Yale Humanities and, and, you know, obviously they paid these authors. Um, But it was it was fabulous. We have fabulous turnout. I mean, I, I feel like we were just really getting off the ground before COVID came, you know, like we had had two amazing programs and then we were closed, but hopefully it will all come back, but at least
0: we can read in the meantime, you know? Absolutely. I think it's important and I, I appreciate you both coming on today and, and thank week. you for having us. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. So yeah. Nice meeting you, Ron. Nice meeting yeah, you, Shia. Nice to meet you. Thank thank you. Yes. We have, thank to you. we have to intertwine. We have to, like, you know, I'm on everybody's book because I like reading and try to keep up with everything. But mm-hmm. um, Elm City Lit Fest, um, everybody, everyone that's on the show today, we will have their information posted on our Facebook page and in our Instagram. So, and this uh, taping will be on uh, Elm City Lit Fest also on the Facebook page and on Bobtree Studios. We want to thank Kevin Ewing, Rev Kev. Thank you Rev. For producing us every week and making us look good despite my little technical difficulties. (laughs) But I'm sure my team member carried on. (laughs) Um, It's been a very spirited conversation and I, in let's continue this important work of promoting literature and literary artists of the African diaspora. Thank you everyone. Blessings, stay safe and well. You too, Ife. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.